Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Dallas. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And today we are joined by none other than... Hi, I'm Addison. Oh, my wife Addison has joined us for this episode. Um, We're calling a little bit of an audible here audience if you follow us on social media or you listened all the way to the end of last episode we were planning on covering the ink call from alejandro jodorowsky and mobius but a fan of the show reached out to one of us on social media to bring some things to light about alejandro jodorowsky that made us feel uncomfortable promoting that book and spending two hours celebrating something that came from someone who did something that we disagree with so strongly. So we don't want to dive too much deeper into that. We're obviously disappointed, but we felt like it was the right thing to do to not highlight that work, not get that work in more people's hands. So again, call a bit of an audible. We are doing a surprise everything but the comics episode. We invited Addison on to talk about what she's been watching, reading, taking in and then your three regular hosts me alexis and Anne, will be doing the same kind of a round robin conversation style we hope you still have fun with the episode thanks for your understanding who wants to talk about some books (laughs) i look i do i'm so i'm so so mad okay listeners so oh and tell everybody the shit a couple weeks ago i was like um Hey, Lexi, have you heard about this book called Mistborn? It's really, really cool. It's by Brandon Sanderson. And Lexi's like, yeah, Dallas is trying to get me into Brandon Sanderson right now. I'm like, secretly, I'm like, I know. That's why I'm going to steal you. I'm going to steal you and have you read this one first. And I was successful. And I got my copy of Mistborn. I got mine from the library. And Lexi got hers from Audible. And for some reason, this has never happened. But my library app decided about a week and a half into my loan period that um it was just done. And my book spontaneously vanished from my library and so Lexi was like okay I'm, I'm finally caught up how far are you and I'm like the book's gone and just Lexi has since Tragedy. finished the book and I am on a 16 week hold period for my copy to return so that is horrible yeah no that was it was it was bad it was bad feels um which which was awful because we were both going through it we were really loving it i was loving talking back and forth with lexi about it it's such <sighs> such a good book and lexi was kind enough to let me borrow her audible for the next couple weeks so i can actually get it finished I'm gonna get a huge chunk done tomorrow so i'm excited to finally get this caught up but lexi you got to go all the way through mistborn so you do want do you want to kind of talk <sighs> about what the book is give the little the um sell sellers pit? yeah yeah, I'll give a little a little blurb, but I am going to not spoil a damn thing for you because, girl, when I tell you, like, the point where you were like, yeah, I, I stopped right here. Like, I want you to catch up to me. Like, that's kind of where everything kind of shit the fan. <laughs> and then after that mm-hmm. has was just pure and utter beautiful chaos. Yeah, in you the hit best the, um, way. the Sander Lanch or whatever it's called. Dallas, what is it? The, the Sander Lanch. Yeah. <laughs> so... Brandon Sanderson is famous for the last third of his book. Mm-hmm. All the pins that he has set up start to fall down. And whatever you had planned for that day is over. Yep. Like, 
when I read The Way of Kings, I very much had a Sanderlange day where I went, oh no, I listened to 10 hours of that 40-hour book today. rut row. Literally, this one, it, I will say, like, this one really was super good throughout the entire thing. Um, it starts off really great with introducing a ton of really fun different characters, and they're really unlike anything I've ever experienced before. So we have, like, our main I guess they're, I mean, they're a crew. It's, it's this kind of fun, uh, magical heist story, which is really exciting. Like a magical empire type world. And we get our main characters, our, our POV characters throughout almost the entire thing are a lovely little rapscallion named Vin, who is this cutest and most terrifying small woman that you will ever meet in your entire life. She's raised on the streets of this horribly oppressing city. She's learned to thieve and steal her way through surviving in their world. And she kind of gets picked up into this whirlwind of a crew by their leader named Kelsier, who is just He's just wild altogether. <laughs> they're, they have all these different moving pieces. They have all these different characters. And they're all circled around this mystical legend, I guess you can say, legend of powers involving different metals, which is super interesting. It's nothing like I've ever heard before, where basically there's a group of 10 metals, and each metal kind of gives – a person, a different ability, basically. And usually, if someone has those powers, they can only access one of those metals. So they'll specialize in that area. But every once in a while, there's someone born of like high nobility blood or of this high bloodline where they actually will be able to have power over all of the different metals. And it creates this um, title and this mantle of Mistborn, which is what the story and the series the series is named after. And so we follow this character, this main character, Vin, who, unbeknownst to her, is one of those Mistborns. And the kicker about her and like the life that she lives is traditionally um, the normal common folk or the ska, as they're referred to, are not able to be born with these type of powers. Like that's been something that through the oppression of their entire world, it's just not possible. And so the fact that she was born with these powers is incredibly um, scandalous, I guess you could say. I don't know a better word. Just very troubling and harmful for her if she doesn't go about it in the right way. So she gets wrapped up into this crazy heist with this amazing crew of alamancers that's what the people are called who can manipulate those metals and it's basically them just going on this massive adventure of like scheming and plotting to take down the final empire so basically overthrow their ruler to hope for a better life for mm -hmm. the scott people and it's just insane the different twists and the turns i want to be as vague as possible because woof <laughs> I don't want to say anything that will tip Anne off as to what's to come, but it is just so full of twists and turns and unexpected moves that like, I feel like there's constantly knocking you off your feet and off the trail. I, it was so fun to read and mm -hmm. I already bought the second book and I'm already a couple chapters in. So here we go, oh, everybody. I'm going to get it finished tomorrow because I can't let you get that far ahead of me. There's no way. 
I. But if I get far ahead of you, then you also can read behind me on the same audible. Oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. It's it's a lot of fun. It reminds me of when I was a teenager and my favorite books were like the James Patterson, like Maximum Ride, Daniel X books. And I love the Hunger Games. Anything that had like the ragtag group up against the bigger enemy, the Empire. It's it's always so fun. That sense of like rebellion. And the story is told in a way that's very easy to follow in an audible format because the prose isn't very flowery. It's not very over-exaggerated. It's very straight to the point, but it's amazing how much world building and character building he gets across that way when he's not spending so much time trying to find the most elegant way to describe a room. It's, um, I, I'm so invested in it and I hate it because I've spent too much time Googling, <laughs> especially like what characters look like. And sometimes fan art can spoil a little bit. So I know like two things that happen at the end of this book that I, I will keep to myself. But when they get there, I promise I'll act surprised. Like, oh, no, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh, no, that makes me so <laughs> sad. <laughs> Don't spoil anything because I still want Yeah, no, to I wasn't going to say anything. Okay. Just, whatever you do, do not ever touch the, um, the, the like, Brandon Sanderson wiki. Because I'm like, what did <laughs> they say this character's name was? And I looked it up and, like, one of the top quotes they give is, like, from a very important scene later on. I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks. That's immediate and sudden. Thanks. Hate you. This is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I understand a couple things that are happening. But I have, my, I have my expectations. The characters are so great. And I want nothing but good things for them. It's... I... I picked it up once before and I read through like the first chapter. I'm like, this seems really grim. I'm not sure if I can do this at the moment, but it's surprisingly light and having, having a lot of fun with it. It's, I have a feeling once I hit that Sandra Lynch, I'm going to be a different person. It's afterwards. literally insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And he just is such a, he just writes in such a way that makes you feel emotionally attached to every single character. Mm -hmm. And I have to say like, not all of the characters are as fleshed out as the main ones but i still am so invested in like their little side stories i'm like i would like a book about you please oh, i'm so ready to get it finished and the magic system is so fun so so fun and so i have like the inkling that it's going to get even deeper and more complicated so i'm i'm for that because i'm i'm nerdy like that i'm nerdy in that way are you two gonna read the second era trilogy mm -hmm. same planet a few hundred years later steampunk era yeah mm -hmm. i heard it's better You've heard it's better. How dare you say those cuss words? It's because it, I have heard it is better. Because it becomes boy books then, and boy books after uh, that. Boy books. That might have something to do mm -hmm. with it. Yep, yep. There we go. I'm not sure. Found it. <sighs> Can I talk about my Sanderson? Please, Absolutely. real quick. We're in. We're so, in the world. I know nothing about this one. Oh man! So I've been reading the Stormlight Archives. I finished the Way of Kings in ten days. Which, that's a 1,300-page book. Like, I was cruising. I could not put that book down. And I have since moved on to the second book, Words of Radiance, which I am halfway through. And it is everything to me. Like, I love epic fantasy. I love big, cool characters. I love cool magic systems. I love deep lore. And Brandon Sanderson, he said about the Stormlight Archive that his goal was to write the kind of fun, swashbuckling fantasy he wanted to read that he didn't feel like anyone wrote anymore. And as a huge fan of A Song of Ice and Fire, I will convert Anne, I always sneered a little bit at Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive. I was like, oh, the baby's little fantasy over here is the real stuff. The real. And then I started the Stormlight Archive and I 
am not exaggerating when I say I was drive, riding home on my bike and my jaw fell open listening to what one of these characters did. And like I started to well up and I was like, there are good people in the world. Like it has that hope and good people will win that Lord of the Rings has, but somehow even more expansive. Like Middle Earth is huge and yet somehow Roshar feels bigger. It's so fun. I'm loving it. I have been informed by my Cosmere nerd friends that I have to pause after book two and go back and read Mistborn and then read something called Warbreaker because book three and then especially book four really starts to get into the concept of the Cosmere where Brandon Sanderson, all of his books exist in the same universe and they start to cross over a bit the further you get into them. So there's not really any crossover in Mistborn because that was his first trilogy. But then everything after Mistborn starts to have little crossovers to the stuff before them. So I was informed I have to take a pause, which makes me a little grumpy because I'm having so much fun that I just kind of want to like keep plowing through. And I'm also a little bit like I'm a comic book fan. I am well aware of just being like, who the hell is that? Anyway, moving along. And so I'm sort of wondering if there's like a bunch of completionists that are like, no, you won't understand this reference unless you have read mm-hmm. Warbreaker. Or if they're actually being serious and halfway through book four, I'll be like, what is going on? <sighs> so we'll see. I think you'll, you, I think you would both love them. Good. So they're really great characters. Solid sell. Uh, you definitely mm-hmm. got me when you're like, hey, it's just like the, you got a Blackest Night reading order for this one. You got to, you got to check out JSA before you can read the, the <laughs> Green Lantern book. It's going to be fine. Um, it's like a scavenger hunt. I, I promise. I'm going to get to the Game of Thrones books. I've located them. They're in my shed. I know exactly where they are. But I have my Stephen King book I still need to finish. I got the second chapter of my gay necromancer book that I am dying to finish. It's it's on my to-do list. It'll happen probably in the next five years. I, I promise. So stick around that long. Wait. And, hmm? and well, your what book? The, the gay necromancers. <laughs> The, the gay neck, what also is that? In space. Elaborate, um, please. So the, the first book was on my top five for the last everything, but it's called Gideon the Ninth. And it's this um, book that takes place in space. They're necromancers and they're supposed to be guarding this like locked tomb. And there's a summons one day from the emperor being like, hey, we need um we need a new lictor. And that's like his like royal guard. And he's like, so you got to go to this really cool place and have basically a bunch of trials, figure your shit out. And there's one necromancer and one, oh, what are they, what are they called? Um, it's like um, a necromancer, a cavalier, a necromancer and a cavalier. The cavalier protects the necromancer and the necromancer does all the bone stuff. And so Gideon is this like really big beefy lady who wants nothing to do with her house. And Harrow, um, Harrow Hark Nona Jesimus, the names are all insane in these books, it's like, actually, you need to come with me because you're the best sword fighter. And um, yeah, you're, you're, you're coming. That's it. And she's like, make me. And Harrowhark's like, okay, I'll make you. And she's like, God damn it. And they get here. And all of a sudden, these murders start, start happening. Weird bone things happen. Um, it's really, really mystical. And it builds up this relationship between these two who start as like, I fucking hate you. I want to stab you in the face. And eventually move into like, I hate you. I want to stab you in the face. But maybe I also want to kiss you too. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit. We love an enemies yeah. to lover trope. And we then do it. It ends in like the most, em- the single most emotional chapter I think I've read in any book ever. 
because the mystery of how to become a lictor is like un- unveiled unveiled as you go through the story and it gets to a part where you're like oh my god that's insane and then when it actually happens you're like this i no go back stop this can't happen and just the way the book ends you're like how is there another book after this i can't go on like this but the next one is called harrow the ninth so it follows her and then i there's a third one that's also on my shelf so i am i have the next year of gay space necromancers set um, I sounds epic. It's so fun. One of my favorite shirts I've gotten this year just says, "I died for Harrowhark, no Nagesimus," and I all I got was the stupid T-shirt. And it's my favorite thing that I wear because no one gets it, but I love it. I love that. So, Ad, we've been geeking out for a second. What have you been yes. fascinated with recently? Oh goodness! So I'm a total TV nerd. So I don't know if we want to move off books quite yet. Um, but I have been having some fun with some shows that have come out recently. I feel like I was in a drought for t like good TV shows for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's I think it's been really really fun. Some ones I'm looking forward to that uh, I haven't dove into yet is the new Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season. Super, super excited for that. Um, One that I am late to the game on, but only because I cannot stand a weekly release situation. And so I am just waiting for it to all pile up. But Ted Lasso, the third season. Very excited for that. Uh, And then one I just finished watching, which Lex, if you have not seen this, you need to just, you know, stop whatever you're doing and go watch it right now. Um, But uh, Beef on Netflix is absolutely oh, fantastic. I think I saw an ad for that. And it, is it like the actor who plays Glenn in The Walking Dead? Yes. 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 Okay, yes. I did see an ad and that looks hilarious. So I do have it on my list. So it's Ali Wong and Steven Yuen. And um, they play two characters. I don't even know how much I want to spoil because it truly is such a – uh, such a great show that kind of has some very surprising twists and turns. Um, but they get into um, an incident where then they proceed to one-up each other continuously um, until they have ruined each other's lives um, because of their beef. And what's so fun about this show is if you are – one of us folks that has a little bit of internal rage, like myself, not the Dallases of the world, this you know, the sweet Dallases, but the internal rage folks. Lex, I, 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 ah, I, I see why you're we, suggesting this show to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in the same boat. But no, I, 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 I'm like, I feel that. Um, and so you, you might really resonate with this show. Um. Of, you know, especially the people who uh, don't, just won't, don't want to take shit from anyone. Uh, I think they'll enjoy this and they'll enjoy the, the comedy of it. It has some really, really fun comedy, but also some like surprising twists and like dark elements. Um, it is a, it's definitely a dark comedy. And it also has a lot to say about um, people who don't take care of like their own situation. So they try to hurt others. Lex, that has nothing to do with you. Um, now I feel like, <laughs> I'm like I, get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's totally, uh, it just feels like two people who rather than looking inward, 
consistently um, put their feelings and their uh, anger outward and at it, and you just watch it totally destroy their lives, but in a really entertaining, very uh, reflective kind of fun way. So thoroughly enjoyed that. That's on Netflix. Really had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that one out for a while because it keeps popping. For some reason, Letterboxd does like only movies, but sometimes they'll throw a TV show in there. Like they're like The Owl House, nothing. But the very last episode of The Owl House, yeah, that one's on Letterboxd. You can rate that one if you want. But Beast's been on there. People have been talking about it all week long. So I'm like, I I wanted to. I've been going through like my movie binge and it's like, I want to, if I have to dedicate time to one TV show, that's time I can't dedicate to all these other movies. And I'm trying to get my um, watched list past 105 movies this year. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta power through this and then I can get to the TV shows. So I might, I might start that while I'm still on bed rest. It's, it sounds hilarious. It sounds like I'd love it. And you're going to love, it's good. oh my gosh. And you're going to love season three of Ted Lasso when you get caught up. I'm having so (laughs) much fun. I'm really excited. Okay, I'm glad that you say that because I have heard some bad things about it. Really? And I want I just want it to be good. Mm-hmm. I want it so badly to be that, you know, just something that I'm in love with. I feel like I really really love the first season and then Dallas and I have recently wa- we rewatched 1 and 2 gearing up for season 3. And 2 sometimes is a little bit hard for me. I feel like about halfway through the season I fall off um, because it, I feel like it sometimes it lacks a bit of the charm mm-hmm. um, that the, se- the first season had. But I'm, I really – I think it's gearing up for that third season and I want the third season to hit it out of the park and to make me appreciate season two more for that, you know, because – Every story, I feel like, has a slump era, yeah. right? Like, if you're t- telling a con- uh, continuous story, you've got the, like, ramp up in the the first third. You've got kind of maybe uh, a slump in the second third and then kind of overcoming that in the third. And I want – if the third really hits out of the park, I feel like the second season will feel better to me. Oh, yeah. Um, but I feel – I've heard a few things that I – that – People say that it's it's more similar to the second season. So I'm I don't know. Tell me that it's good, Anne. Tell I'm, me that I'll I mean, love it. I'm enjoying it. I think a lot of it's really going to depend on where it lands. It feels like it's setting up a lot of different things for their finale. Because I'm pretty sure they said this is going to be the last season. They want this to be the last season. So I'm like trying to follow all the different character beats. And there's a lot that they're setting up in really interesting ways that I think are going to be really fun to see pay off. And some characters are growing. It was like you get to the end of season two, and there's some characters where I'm like, okay, well that's it. They've they've gone as far as they can go. They've had their come to Jesus moment, and they've made their choices, and this is where they are. But it's still shocking how different they can they can appear going through the season. The last episode they just had, which I think was the one written by whoever, what is what's his face that plays Beard? It's like an hour long, and it just follows of like five different groups in one night kind of like they did with um beard and his one night episode and there's so many great character moments that happen during it where i'm like i'm fully invested in whatever is going to happen at the end of this so i'm i'm still enjoying it quite quite a lot wonderful okay i want to love it mm-hmm. i i i don't want to go into anything hating it so it's that's so good to hear a positive some positive uh feedback about this yeah. season it's like with ted lasso something that's just so overwhelmingly loved and beloved when you set that bar that high anything that falls under feels like a complete and utter betrayal so i'm sure it's 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 a high standard to keep but i feel like it's 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 hanging right there um yeah 
Yeah. Uh, so, Anne, talk to us about your movie binging. What has been on Anne's docket? Okay. So, I am currently on bed rest. I'm on bed rest for like three weeks. I've just finished week one, and I'm pretty sure in week one I've watched like ten movies. Um, I've just been going through streaming services, going through my watch list, trying to knock some things out. And this year, honestly, hasn't been that great for me with movies. I've been watching a lot of duds or a lot of like mediocre movies. I'm like, that's all right. And I'm just like, that's all right. That's all right. Like, I need movies that I love again. I need movies that make me happy to be watching movies again. And I think like in the last couple of days, I've finally gotten back there where I've found a few movies that have finally hit it out of the park for me including today when just a few hours ago I finished watching what I think is going to be my favorite movie of the year, which is crazy because it's a movie that's literally sat on my Blu-ray shelf for the last four years because I asked for it for Christmas back in like 2019 and I got it, but I just never had a chance to watch it. And that movie was um, Blinded by the Light. And that was, I forget the director's name. She's the same director who did um, Bend It Like Beckham, which I watched last year. And I'm like, that was solid, but if it could have been better, this was so, so perfect. It's about this um, Pakistani teenager who lives in Europe during the Margaret Thatcher era. And it's dealing with him and the hard times that was that the UK was facing at the time. Um, him dealing with racism, growing up as a Pakistani teen, trying to have a relationship with his parents, his family, and also his own independent dreams. And he finds this window, he finds this um, like ladder to hold, hold on to, this life um, raft in the works of Bruce Springsteen. And I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I love the boss so much. And getting to see him find a lot of the same meanings in Bruce's lyrics that I do was very, very great. But it also reminded me a lot of myself when I was a teenager because he he finds Bruce Springsteen. He's like, this is the best thing ever. And he dives hard into this phase. He's like, I'm going to put Bruce Springsteen all over my walls. I'm going to dress like Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to quote his lyrics at anyone who will listen. I'll just talk about him nonstop. I'll do these insane things where I'll like start playing Bruce Springsteen over the school's radios and start dancing to it. Like He's like, this is my personality now because I found the person who makes me comfortable to be me. And I'm like, that's exactly what I did in high school, except my thing was Doctor Who. <laughs> I found that and I like steered so hard into that. And watching the movie is like making me cringe, but in, like the best way when I was like, I was exactly that kid who found something that made her like feel like she wasn't alone, like something got her. And I just made it my entire personality. And so watching this movie perfectly replicate that feeling and um handle it so well it was so so fun to me it's it was amazing i knew it was gonna be a five-star movie before i even hit the like second act turn it was just so much fun and i was yesterday i'm like i know i'm gonna love this movie it's been sitting here forever i should have watched it forever ago and yeah i really should have watched it forever ago because it was it was wonderful but that's the that's been the highlight of my week Going back, I watched Babylon earlier today, too, which was insane that they tricked me into watching some of Avatar during that movie. That was crazy. So funny. Um, so funny. <laughs> I watched The Northman in two sittings because I think I was up at like 1 a.m. a couple days ago. And I'm like, what's on? The Northman. And it put me straight to sleep. So thank you for that. Um, yep. I also, it took me so long to watch it, but I finally watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit for the first time. And... <gasps> Yeah, that's such a good one. I am a 27 year old <laughs> adult who didn't see Who Framed Roger Rabbit until this week, and oh my god, that was so fun! 
the Jessica Rabbit still have it uh, she still all these years it. later. Honestly, I gave it a half a star more because of the booby trap joke. That was perfection. <laughs> Absolutely chef's kiss. And I also loved Little Shop of Horrors because I love my musicals. I love those so much. And I found that stupid movie where that Tarantino foot gift comes from. It's the From Dusk Till Dawn. Where I'm like, I thought this was a Tarantino movie. No, Tarantino's just in the movie. And he plays the creepiest guy ever. So I'm guessing they're like, Quentin, just be you. And he's like, okay, I got it. And yeah, he's oh, so, so good. It's a movie that goes halfway and then it immediately switches into the campiest vampire movie you've ever seen. Where it's like, I want to take someone in this movie, tell them nothing about it. And then look at their face when vampires suddenly happen at the the 45 minute mark. It's going to be fantastic. Event Horizon so close to being something great cosmic terror is so great if you do it well this movie didn't have the guts to go full in and do it properly also fast time is at richmond high overrated i have no idea what anyone likes about that movie i didn't i didn't click with it i just didn't oh my i could keep going i could keep going but i can't there's there's so many so many movies this week and just wait till i introduce you to the cinematic masterpiece mm-hmm. that is Barbie, the Princess of the Popper. I cannot wait to change your Yes! You're just like yes! me. I'm just yep. like you. I'm just like you. There are so many, so many bangers. <laughs> it's got to happen sometime <laughs> in the next two weeks. I, I promise. Yes. You're going to make it happen. Absolutely. And it- Non-stop bangers. Mm-hmm. Non-stop Honestly, bangers. Any, any Barbie movie. Oh, uh, they, they were just... Paradise Island. Uh, oh, Rapunzel? Yes. Uh, the Twelve Dancing Princesses? Amazing. What's that one? The fairy? They're fairies. Oh, fairytopia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Maricosa. all of the Barbie uh, sidekicks that, yep. that just... Bibble. Bibble is the best one that ever happened. Bibble. Also, the freaky elephant that lived on the island. That thing is yes. a creature of my nightmares. <laughs> yes, the freaky elephant. Freaky elephant. Uh, but no, there's a lot of bangers, Anne. I, I've been compiling a list on how I want to go about this. Oh, I'm so, so excited. They got to be able to beat um, being John Malkovich, though, which is just white get out. It's that was an insane movie. Oh my god! Speaking speaking of kids movies that are actually bangers, this week I've really gotten into Disney's post Renaissance era, mm-hmm. so that's like two thousand to two thousand nine, um, and watched Meet the Robinsons, oh, The Emperor's mm-hmm. New Groove, mm-hmm. Home on the Range, and Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. And I just have to say, this Beautiful. is a seriously underrated era for disney i feel like we mm-hmm. talk about the golden age we talk about the you know silver age uh, we talk about the disney movies that are coming out the you know the frozen all of that like is, is very touched on but we don't talk a lot about these movies they get kind of swept under the rug and i have had so much fun i've cried in every one of them my hell like meet the robinsons when that last scene when mm-hmm. they're singing like these small hours i think and he's like finding his family same with Lilo and Stitch, where Stitch is finding his family, and they're, he's sewing together Nani and Lilo. It's so beautiful. They have such, such like beautiful messages, um, but I had so much fun. And then, of course, Emperor's New Groove is the funniest movie that mm-hmm. Disney's ever made. Easy. Uh, when when they get back to the, the castle at the end of the movie, and they... Uh, they're like, how did you make it back before us? Uh, uh, Kron- uh, they're saying that to Kronk and Yzma. Um, Cusco and Pacha are saying that to Kronk and Yzma. And Kronk like, pulls down the, the map and is like, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense. And I just lost it. I absolutely lost it alone in my apartment. So like, truly, like, 
funniest, funniest movie. And these are so, so underrated, such underrated movies. I'm so glad you said Meet the Robinsons. I've been a secret fan of that movie for so long. <laughs> it's so funny. It, it's so, it has such a great ending. I love it so much. It's like I saw it coming a mile away even when I was a kid. That like twist that happens at the end. But it always makes me so, so happy. It's it's wonderful. I <laughs> reference the Mikey Goobian. Hi, Goob. How you doing, Goob? Great binder, Goob. I want to play at my house, Goob. They my always house. hated me. <laughs> I reference that once I am a week. Goob. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas has to tell me not in my goob era when I get off a call at work that I think I did really poorly on that I'll be like oh that went so poorly I totally forgot what I was saying I'm sure everyone thinks I'm an idiot and then Dallas in the back will go they all hated me and I'll have to laugh at myself and be like yeah you're probably right it's a mood or the big head and little arms Oh my That's the mine. amount of times that that got quoted in our household insane it even made it better that our mother's maiden name is robinson so like that movie was a religious Mm -hmm. experience in our household (laughs) do you also want to say your social security number online or we're just giving out our mother's maiden name for all of our first names what was your pet's first what was your pet's name (laughs) what high school did you go to what was your first car Mm -hmm. (laughs) funny what's your bank account number that that number on the back of your credit card. Yeah. Could you could you read tell it, read it really slow? So, okay. <laughs> the one I'm interested in though, you said you watched Home on the Range too. Oh, such a good one. Okay, because that one I remember nothing about. So does that one hold up? Is that worth revisiting? It's fun. It's not as good as the others that I was listening <laughs> listed. Um, and there's a bit of nostalgia for me because it's placed in like the Homesteader West, which is very much where Dallas, Lexi, and I are from. And has some like really really beautiful um, I guess, animations of the like these beautiful red rocks and they the rocks change colors as the sun when the sun is in different places and it's really quite cute and they have some very very funny jokes. It's it doesn't quite have the heart that some of these other ones like Lilo and Stitch and Meet the Robinsons have, um, but it's still just fun, interesting. Um, I I get the song stuck in my head all the time, um, and I personally love the grumpy goat from the farm who um, hates everybody because I often feel like Adam Taylor. Goat. It is Adam Taylor. That's <laughs> my father-in-law, Dallas and Lexi's dad. You want to know my favorite post-Renaissance Disney movie that gets slept on? Brother Bear. When Coda runs away and it's like, Brother Bear, I hurt you. So tears every time. No whole bars. Sobbing like an ugly bear myself. Um, I think you're forgetting about the Phil Collins, tell everybody I'm on my way. That song itself is the best thing that ever happened. Absolutely. No, you shut up. Oh, you shut up. Hello, smallish bear. The Canadian Moose. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. As a man who may or may not be part bear, I really resonate with that movie. I can confirm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Has anyone else been watching anything good? I think I need Addison and... Sex Education Power Hour. Oh my goodness. The best. The freaking best. And I... Oh my god. I can't. 
I can't. I don't know how they're doing the next season. I don't. I don't know if Doctor Who is going to be there. I don't know. God, everyone else is doing other things now. I'm so scared for the next season of Sex Education. I'm so scared. Well, I'm pretty sure it's the last season of Sex Education, which is confusing because on one hand, the whole show is leading up to two characters being together. I don't want to spoil it too much, Mm -hmm. but two characters being together and they have not been together for almost all of the three seasons or four seasons. How many are there? I can't remember. There's three, three so far. Yeah. Three. Uh, they've not been together, and you want them to be together. And it's always will they, won't they. And then finally, they get together. And then right as they get together, um, one character has to has to go away. And it's very, very important to that character's development that she go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of, you know, who she is as a person and being able to make it out of her situation and overcome a lot of her obstacles, Mm -hmm. but it will take away from the will they, won't they romance that I've been waiting for for three seasons. So I'm so torn because I'm like, yes, I'm so excited for this character to go live her truth and, you know, overcome her obstacles. But she could have been with her little sweet boy too that I've been waiting for so long. There's there's that part of me where I'm like, oh, this is, it didn't, it didn't ha- they got so close but torn apart and then there's the, the writer side of me is like he's the main character he'll be fine we'll, we'll find something for him but True. I don't is she in the next season this one character I sure hope away? so okay I they take her away and they take Doctor Who away like <sighs> what is the show I don't know but Doc- Doctor Who Doctor Who's gonna um, bring in his best friend Shuti Gatwa oh yeah. I see he's the next Doctor Who and have you seen the pictures I've for him as Doctor Who? I've seen all those pictures. He's going to... They're going to like a very 70s retro. He has like big sideburns and it, it rules. He's had like three looks so far and they're all perfect. And they're all exceedingly him. He's going to... Yeah. The character is Eric. Effion. Yeah. You should look up his Doctor Who photos. You will like them. I'm sure I will. Oh, that show is so... It's so sweet. It's just very fun to watch. It's fun to see a modern high school show. Sometimes you watch the like coming of age high school show. And you have to wince a little bit at the jokes mm-hmm. or just the tropes that it's- they're obsessed with. And so it was really fun to have that same formula in a very sweet, heartfelt way. Yeah. That felt modernized. It's really interesting that the show called Sex Education is the one where I feel like the high schoolers are sexualized the least. Exactly. I am so, I so agree with you, Anne. I have felt like I've seen so many high school shows that I've been so frustrated with because I'm like, why didn't you just make them adults? Like if you want them Mm -hmm. to be doing adult things, be in adult crises, like why are you making them 16? It feels creepy. It feels weird. Um, And so, yeah, when I saw sex education, I started on my own just Let's see what this is. I need something to fill the time. And was so impressed that they don't seem to sexualize these characters like crazy. There's definitely a lot of sex in the show, but it seems to be done in a very um, high school way. There's awkwardness. There's, you know, weirdness. There's things that are foreign. There's things that they have to learn. Um, And it feels like it encapsulates a lot of 
the the situations that come up when sex is very mm-hmm. new to somebody and they're they're trying to learn what works for them and what they like and um where where you know they get their pleasure from and so i yeah i enjoy it so much for that reason that it, it doesn't feel like oh we're you know we're watching 16 year olds have sex and while the actors aren't 16 this still feels creepy but it feels it feels very genuine Absolutely. Oh, so many. We we talked right before it started too, just to pull it up. Shrinking. Oh yes, love shrinking. It that is a good one. Lex, have you seen that one at all? I haven't. Mm-mm. I don't really watch a lot of TV these days. Dallas is me too busy with all my books. Me neither, girl. We'll get back to books in a minute. They can have their TV power. <laughs> well, I do have a TV show that I just started though. I don't yeah. know if anyone's seen it. It's pretty big on Hulu, uh, but it's The Great. Has anybody seen The Great? I have no. not. I haven't heard of it. What it's is it? Very. I can like give a little bit of blurb because you should watch it. It's very good. Um, it's basically the story is it's a historical fiction that they had to kind of change that topic because they're like it's originally was an occasionally true story. And then now it's an almost entirely untrue story, which it's like a, a historical fiction satire dark comedy about Catherine the Great from Russia and how she married into being empress of Russia and then planned a coup to overthrow her evil husband. But they stayed married and had their war inside of their castle on opposite sides of the castle. And it's very funny, very lighthearted, but also has a lot of dark comedy in it. Um, Catherine the Great is played by Elle Fanning, who is one of my favorite actresses. And her husband, Peter, is played by that Nicholas Holt actor, who I also like a lot. The one that's playing Renfield, right? I not sure i know he played beast in one of those x-men movies yes yep yep yep, yep. i've seen clips from the great and it does look fantastic it's really? very funny and it's definitely like a very particular type of humor but i'm only like three episodes in and each of them's like an hour long so it's been pretty good so far i like it and there's like uh, the third season comes out may 12th i believe so i'm trying to catch up i've never seen it before so fun I'll have to I'll have to watch that one. That sounds I've ke- I keep seeing it and then it, something else comes up and then I keep going away from it. But it, it does look interesting. It looks um very well it's, done. It's very fun and like definitely very clever. Like I love how clever Catherine is. She's pretty awesome. I'm gonna add for that sure. I'm gonna add that to my list. I've been looking for more it's historical cool things to get into. Really been going hard on puppet history, which gets my historical wants tingling but dallas we've been talking for forever did you want to bring up another book perhaps oh who me little he he doesn't i don't know why i'm sorry i should have just we should have just kept going my bad how about i suggest a book instead (laughs) okay you can go what book let's well i am here to specifically proposition addy I know you have a book in your cupboard that I told Dallas he's not allowed to read because I don't want to share this with him because oh, it will make me feel Rose. dirty. Is this a Court of Roses? Th- th- wait, Thorns and Roses? Uh, mm-hmm. 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 It is I very basic on the TikTok, but it is for a reason. <laughs> no, I tend to like those ones. Um, everybody, good. 
I know everybody really hates on calling Hoover, but you know, I enjoy yes. some good literature. It, yes. It, uh, it, it does one. something for me. And also this literature has a good plot. <laughs> Aside okay, from that. that. So I know you have the first book. I'm on the second book right now. And girl, it's getting real. <laughs> I've heard that the you kind of have to go through the first book to get to the second book because it's, yes. it gets even better. The first book, like, because I actually, my my friend has been trying to get me to read it for like several months. Like she talked to me, talked to me about it, I think before Christmas and was like, you should read this book. Like, it's really, really good. Everybody's reading it right now. And I was like, I had seen people posting about it online on book talk, you know, and I was like, yeah, like, I feel like it'd be right up my alley. Like, I love fantasy books. I love girl books. And so I was like, absolutely, I'll give it a shot. But then I had just gotten wrapped up with so many different things. Like, I bought it on my Kindle, read the first, like, three, four chapters. And I was like, this is pretty good. Like, I, I like it so far. And then I just got caught up reading all these different things. And so I finally picked it up again, like, a week and a half ago. Finished the first book in literally two days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on, I want to say like chapter 25 of the second book, which is also fabulous. And it just is a lot, I, don't, I, I feel like it's just a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be of an actual story. Because I was like, well, everybody on TikTok is just horny. So I was like, I'm going into this with no thoughts. But this is actually a good book. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you all that one. You know, I've heard enough hype. I feel like it It yeah. sounds like something that's right up my alley. It feels like uh, the girl fantasy, which I feel like we get s- not enough we of. Enough. We don't get enough girl fantasy. This is it's for the girls. girls. Boys have dominated fantasy for so long. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we can get we can get back to this. I, I've uh, gotten more into fantasy. I was a pretty strict no fantasy person until Game of Thrones and then loved Game of Thrones. So I'm open. I am totally open to fantasy. And mm-hmm. if it has a little bit of literature in there involved, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I have a good horny book. And it's not overpowering. There you go. Totally. So back to me, the main character of this podcast. <laughs> there we go. I feel like we've lost the thread a little bit here. Yeah. Help us get back. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe so I'm starting a petition. Uh, what about we kick Dallas off and I yeah. come on? I'm just this, this, comic, we can vote. We this can... comic book podcast is for the girls, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We have decorum. Um, all in favor, say aye. 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 Awesome. <laughs> Good luck learning how to edit the podcast. Oh, sh- ah, shoot. You got us. us. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even. Well, you just could go. How hard can that be? We, if we just don't mess up, we don't have to edit things. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's all ladies. So what mess up? There won't be exactly. Yeah. Okay. Never. Beautiful. Couple Bye, Dal. Bunch of villains. The <laughs> lot of you. I'm just going to mute us. So what? whenever Dallas is talking, just go ahead and keep talking about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so Alexis, I know that you and I went very hard on A Song of Ice and Fire on Game of Thrones. You read Fire and Blood, which I haven't read yet, but then I recently read A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, and this is me coming to you and saying, give the horny fairies a break for a minute and come back to Westeros, because (laughs) Sir Duncan the Tall and his squire Egg made me weep on my bicycle. They are so good. And in the world of Game of Thrones, where the whole point kind of is that like 
No one is all the way good or all the way bad, but a lot of them are pretty bad. Like every single person in power in Game of Thrones is a bad person, which I mean, I feel like is true of real life. But what's so then endearing about the Dunk and Egg stories is that they are good. Like Duncan the Tall is presented with opportunities where in Game of Thrones, everyone else but Ned Stark would choose wrong. And then Sir Duncan chooses right. And then he succeeds. Like, which again, Game of Thrones punishes you if you do the right thing. And so it's just really refreshing, really fun, really great, just classic knight stories there are not even any dragons in this one it's all jousting and sword fighting and just like tootling around to castles they always they stumble into like a larger conspiracy every time sir duncan and egg wander into a place and they're like this seems pretty normal and then about halfway through the story they're like this is not normal at all how do we keep getting caught up in so much hijinks and the hijinks is delightful so I highly recommend that you read that, Alexis, because I think you would like it. I'll add it to my list. Thank you. Um, add, we have been reading the brand new book, The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi. It is a fantasy story set in the Indian Ocean about a retired pirate who comes out of retirement for one last job. She's really endearing. Her crew is great. And... We've kind of had mixed feelings about it. So what have you thought of this very popular book on Book Talk? You know, I want I wanted to love it. It's definitely something that's outside of my my typical genres. Um and really, really wanted to go in liking it. I had heard so many good things on TikTok, especially the video that drew me in the most was um some librarians saying how they recommend this book to every single person. Someone comes in and wanting a self-help book. Nope, you're getting this book. You know, someone comes in wanting uh, a sci-fi futuristic novel. Nope, you're getting this book. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, a huge, or I guess I wasn't like a huge uh, fantasy person, but you know, Lord of the Rings is, is good for a reason. A lot of people like it for a reason. So let's, you know, let's give this book a try. And I just you know, perhaps it just has a slow start and it takes a, a minute to get going. But uh, how many pages are we in now at this point, Del? Uh, like a hundred and something. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just uh, not able to quite, I'm not, I haven't been able to grasp um, a foothold and it's, it's a bit slow. Um, I feel like it, it spends a lot of time in the beginning, you know, s- setting up, the the stakes, which I understand, but I just I just uh, haven't haven't been able to find a foothold. But Dal, you've thought you know some different things. Yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. I I understand it's the first of a proposed trilogy, and the book's been doing really well, so I think it's going to get its trilogy. But for a book that the premise is about a ragtag group of pirates led by like a badass female pirate, I think it's a little disconcerting that I'm 100 pages in and I'm just now starting to get glimmers of that pirate. Like they just got to their boat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get to the boat. Get. So I feel like we're at the precipice of what I signed up for and I'm used to long books. And so I'm, I'm going to finish it. I'm excited about it. But it's been very interesting. I think sometimes 
since we read so many books on the show and since we talk about them so often, sometimes I feel like I have moved away from being excited about premise and being more excited about quality of work. And sometimes I think people recommend things based on premise. You know, like the premise of this book is fantastic. And a lot of people are very excited about it. But sometimes I feel like the writing compared to some of the other writers that we love so much is a little like it's good, but it's not amazing. It's not great. I don't get swept up in it. And not every book has to be some giant tome, you know, but I mean, Brandon Sanderson uses really plain words and those books are addictive as hell. You can't put them down. And so I just, I don't know. I think I'm kind of becoming a book snob. Like I read enough at this point and I'm like, I just want to read the best. And, and you mentioned you were reading a Stephen King novel right Mm -hmm. now. And if we're going to talk about the best, we got to talk about the goat. Stephen King, what are you reading right now, Anne? I'm still attempting to finish fairy tale. It's been slow, but I'm making more progress. I got sidetracked because I got this little tiny, like, 150-page novel from um, the library called the um, Kaiju Preservation Society, which nice. was, you know, I see the word kaiju in my my geek brain is like, I need to check this out first. Got through that. That was a lot of fun. Not really as great as I wanted it to be, but really solid if big monsters are your thing. But I'm at the part now where he is thoroughly in fairy tale. He is in the fairy tale land. He just met um, Goose Girl. And okay. yeah, so you're in. It. Yeah, so I'm I'm in it and I'm I'm ready to see what happens. <sighs> Fingers crossed. I don't want this book to hurt me. I want it to be good. I'm hoping for that happy ending. And I feel like I'm going to get it. It's there's sometimes reading a Stephen yeah. King book. You're like, this can go one of two ways. We can get the happy ending or this can, this is really going to take something out of me. And just listening from him talk about like, this is the book he wrote during the quarantine. Cause he's like, this is what I wish I could be reading during this quarantine. This is the story I wanted to tell when everything's so dark. I have a feeling I'm going to get that happy ending, but it's I know a specific moment that is going to make your Anne brain go. OK, OK, I like that. I like it when my Anne brain does that. That's my favorite feeling. When her Anne brain purrs. Yeah. Is <laughs> that what you yeah. were doing? Yes. <laughs> when, it, when it works for once. <laughs> <laughs> Chugging along. I have oh. yet for that to happen to my brain. <laughs> Never. I'm right there with I'll, you. Lex. I'll settle for my brain just staying focused on one thing. I'm just I'm trying to. The only thing that keeps me from reading more novels is I will sit down, I'll read a couple chapters, and I'll be like, you know, that's there's that one comic you really wanted to read that you're thinking about earlier today. And I'll go read that. And they'll be like, there's that TV show you really want to start. And I'll start like one of those. And I'm just all over the place. And my brain won't commit to finishing just one thing at a time. That's my biggest issue. A thousand percent. What's hard, what's hard for me is once I start something, I like to finish it. Mm-hmm. But the things that are the bane of my existence are short story collections because I start them and I love them. I have finished one short story collection that I've ever owned and I'm halfway through all the rest of them because they give you clear you're all done points. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'm all done. Whereas like I can't stop misery halfway through, which by the way, I started misery today, 100 pages in one sitting. The only thing that peeled me away from this book was going to the gym. This is incredible. Everyone should read Misery. This book is nuts. Ooh, see, that makes me feel so bad because one of my favorite my favorite Stephen King books are some of his short story collections. Um, Skeleton Crew and Night Shift are both 
A plus horror books. Like they legitimately kept me up at night. They are fantastic. That sounds right up my alley. And can you tell me more about those? I love a short story horror. When I was like addicted to horror, probably like four or five years ago, I would get all these collections of short horror stories because I'm like, I want to get those bite-sized chunks. I want to figure out how to do that, how they tell these scares in such a short amount of time. And the ones that kept hooking me were Stephen King. He had a bunch. He had like, um, what was like before sunset um the two that stuck with me most were skeleton crew and night shift and i'm gonna be just a second i want to pull up the list of stories in them just so i make sure i'm telling you the right ones for each book so while i'm doing that if someone else wants to talk about something i'm gonna have these up in just a second i want to return back to fairy tale by Stephen King. I spent a large portion of my life trying to get people to read one blue book with gold text. And now I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to get everyone to read this different blue book with gold text called Fairy Tale by Stephen King. It was the gateway drug to my new favorite author. Like I will be eating crow for the rest of my life. The Anne kept telling me, hey, I think you'd really like Stephen King. Hey, I think you'd really like Stephen King. Hey, I think you really like Stephen King. And I finally read The Gunslinger and I go, that was very weird, Anne. Thank you. And then I pat her on the head and she said, hmm. And then the damn cover of Fairy Tale was so good. So interesting. That I was like, I have to know what the hell is happening inside that book. And it melted my brain out of my ears. And now I'm on my 12th Stephen King book in a row. Every other author pales in comparison. And it's all I can think about. So thank you, Anne. I was Fairy wrong. Fairy tale right. rules. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, so these two stories in Night Shift. There's um, the short story um, Jerusalem's Lot, which inspires his full novel Salem's Lot. So if you read that, you should probably check out this one first. It's kind of like a little prequel. It just kind of introduces you to the idea, and he's like, "Hey, this is pretty neat. Let's check that out." And yeah, there's um, Oh, I Am the Doorway, which is this really, really freaky um, Lovecraftian horror where this guy becomes a literal doorway to a nightmare realm and his body starts changing in these really freaky ways. Um, There's Children of the Corn, of course. That's a night shift. Um, Let's see. The Lawnmower Man. I love that one. Trucks. This was the the fun one that um, inspired the only movie that Stephen King's ever directed, which was... um, it was Maximum Overdrive, this insane movie where the premise is just cars come alive and start killing people. And these people get stuck in a, a diner and there's cars outside. They're like, hey, you should come out so we can run you over, please. Thank you. And it's literally it's it's zany, but also really terrifying and threatening and ominous at the same time. And then if I go to Skeleton Crew, there's um, a, The Mist, The Entire Mist, um, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. If you ever watch it, you got to watch the black and white edition. I'm really snobbish when it comes to that one. I think it's perfection. It is one of my, I think it's the best creature feature that's been told since like the original Alien or maybe um, John Carpenter's The Thing. It's it's right up there. It's incredible. The I'm, you know, I'm a biologist, so I love it when the monsters are really compelling and they have like this really intricate backstory and lore that i just kind of like my brain starts turning like trying to figure out how these creatures work where they came from what their world is like it's so so wonderful and also the raft which was adapted in um one of the 
Creepshow, it was adapted in Creepshow 2, is another great movie, um, another great story about these teenagers who get stuck in the middle of a lake, and there's just this amorphous blob. Like, if you think, like, the movie The Blob, which is this big thing that comes, eats you, dissolves you in acid, takes you away, it's kind of like that, but on the water. So it's like a more terrifying version of Jaws. That is, it's so fun. Both of those are great. I haven't finished The Bizarre Bad Dreams, which is another short story collection, but I remember Mile 81 is the very first story in that. And I don't know how he does it, but Stephen King will just pick an object, any object, and be like, how do I make this scary? How do I make this insanely bizarre? And he does it. And this one, he again, he picks a car, which he's done several times. He's done it with um, trucks and he's done it with, what was the... um, What's why can't I think of that name? It's Christine. Thank you. He does it with Christine and he does it so differently in mile 81. And it's just, it, it gets under your skin. I love it when Stephen King gets under my skin. He does such a great job with characters. And even in these short stories, he does, he doesn't waste any time. He gets you to fall in love with people in like 20 pages or less. It's absolutely insane. The talent that he has, the, his short story collections are all so worth it. And I feel like that's oh sorry. Oh, no, go. I feel like that's really true talent that you know I I don't feel like it is hard to make, you know, uh dark woods or or a certain kind of monster or something that you can't see scary but that you say that they made cars scary. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I I'm like, "Oh, it sounds kind of campy and fun, but no, it sounds like it's truly like horrifying and will chill you to the bone and i think that that takes some skill i don't know how in the world i would make a, a car scary yeah. you know the, a very average everyday inanimate object but that i feel like that's some true skill from an yeah. author and in mile 81 it's even crazier because the car never moves it does not move and it is the main antagonist and it has a body count and it's absolutely insane that's bananas <laughs> The only short story collection I've ever finished, like I said, I've only ever finished the one, was Elmore Leonard's 310 to Yuma and other stories. It was this little cowboy short story collection. And I might be talking to no one here, but if you love cowboys, you owe it to yourself to read this short story collection. It is so, so fun. There's one story where this guy gets arrested for drunk and disorderly and they run out of cells in the jailhouse. And so they have to put him in solitary with like the super scary guy that they have up there. And Elmore Leonard, who Neil Gaiman said, the person that he thinks has the best authorial voice in all of history is Elmore Leonard. He says, there is no one. He says, Stephen King is a close second. He said, but Elmore Leonard is the number one best authorial voice. And I was like, damn, big word. (laughs) And so I read these cowboy stories and it's true. You just get sucked right in and you forget you're reading a book. You're just with these characters. And so you're with this poor sap in this jail cell with this guy named Odie that is horrifying. And it's just really compelling. It's really compelling. If you want... Some buckaroo, yeehaw, cowboy BS. There's always a fun twist. There's always a really interesting premise. Like the very first story in the collection, this guy is on the run from a couple Apaches, and they 
he flees and he runs into a town and you get to this point and I'm, I'm gonna spoil this it's the first story in the thing he gets to the town and it's like oh i'm safe and then he realizes it's a ghost town no one's left and so then he's alone in the town as they come in and then it's just a story of like him jumping into shadows and you're kind of like where are they what's going on this guy's mm-hmm. scared about everything and it just he keeps you on your toes the whole way through it was a delight and again I like I really love short stories. I just never get around to finishing the collection. Yeah. So if you're a writer that wants me to read your short story, make it one of the first three. Like if you're if you got anything good past the first three in your collection, I'm not getting to it. And we all know that writers are writing exclusively for Dallas Taylor to read their books. Yeah. At this point, they damn well might be. <laughs> He's gonna go through everything. Exactly. <laughs> gonna beat books at this point see <laughs> have you beat books? <laughs> I have books like when dad threw his back out and beat netflix oh my gosh <laughs> he literally was like we gotta get a new streaming service i literally have watched everything on this damn app i'm trying to imagine rough and tumble cowboy adam watching love is blind <laughs> i mean like well damn it it ain't it ain't blind <laughs> Maybe that's what he was watching while mom was asleep. We never know. <laughs> I can see him getting into it. Oh my goodness. Chelsea, why would you pick Matt? This is horrible. Horrible decision. Over over Kevin? Kevin was so kind. I can imagine How him dad feels about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> I have one final topic I think we can all speak to. Okay. I want to dive into the audiobook versus regular book debate. How do we feel about audiobooks? Do we end up listening to more audiobooks than we do reading regular books? I think we all have strong opinions on this, mm-hmm. and I want to have a conversation where we're all involved. So who wants I, to start? I'll start, because I feel like for me, Audible, I just have to start with, I love both. I've always been a child that read. I grew up reading. I've always loved stories. That's always been a big part of my life. But when I became an adult. I grew up. It got really hard for me to make time to read. I always got distracted. I'd find other things to do. And I feel like my mind moves too quick to read real books sometimes. I get very distracted very easily. And now that I work a job that is an hour there and back, so a two-hour commute a day, Audible has really changed the game of how I can quote unquote read or intake books because it's always something that I've loved and it's always something that I've wanted to do but I just never could find the time to do it so now that I have like designated two hours a day of listening to whatever I want I has made it it has made it so much easier but I feel like now that it's got me back into the game I'm starting to read a lot more normal books again so I'm like very I want to say I'm like a 75-25 split, like 75% Audible purely because of my lifestyle, but then 25% books because I do just also love them. And I love going into a bookstore and smelling the bookstore (laughs) just for kicks and giggles. (laughs) Lex, I'm right there with you. I am an audiobook girly because Mm -hmm. I am an ADHD girly, Mm -hmm. and I need to be able to – listen to a book while I'm doing something mundane. So cooking dinner, I'm go, even going on a walk. I, I need to have 
this external stimulus while my brain, so my brain can focus on something or else I will physically focus on the book. I will be holding the book and my eyes will be moving and my brain will be on what happened at work today, what's going on tomorrow, um, what Dallas and I are going to do later tonight. And I will have read 20 pages without realizing I read 20 pages, which I'm sure everyone does, but I need an audible uh, at a camera to be able to consume my books. Yeah. I, I feel that a lot. Like my job is a lot of just kind of repetition, doing a lot of the same tests over and over again on different products. It's just, it's very easy for me to to get lost in that. So it's nice that I have the opportunity to listen to audiobooks when I'm working. Because if I'm not doing that, I'm listening to music. Something's always going through my ears when I'm at work. So it's always very, very helpful when I have those. And honestly, I'm at the point, I, I was having such a hard time focusing on even audiobooks when I was doing something else. Because I think a lot of times for me, it really depends on the narrator because a bad narrator can completely trash an audiobook for me. I started getting in the ninth on audiobook and I had to switch back to the actual novel like halfway through because I'm like, I keep getting lost. This this author keeps losing me. I can't stay focused. Their voice is just driving me up against the wall. But then there's other times where it's like anything by Neil Gaiman, where Neil Gaiman is actually reading it himself. I'm like, I'm here for it. He has the best voice of all time. He does the best job reading his own books. I will listen to this any day, every day. So I feel like there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but I've started to notice that since I've started speeding up the audiobook a little bit, I've actually cranked it to like 1.75. I was doing like 1.5 for a while, but I had to catch up to Lexi reading Mistborn, so I did 175. And I'm actually like, I thought this was crazy, but this is actually a pretty comfortable pace for me. My brain can keep up and I'm not getting bored with it. So I might actually stick here it makes a 20 hour book feel less of a daunting task. There's nothing that makes me happier than clicking on one of my 50 hour books. And at 1.7 speed, it's like, it's actually 29. Yeah. Like, That's just a paltry children's tale. <laughs> Throw it in. Go ahead. <laughs> That's literally me. Oh. Oh, nothing is daunting okay. at 1.75 speed. Yeah. And we have to give the people what they're clamoring for. Yes, video the games, same. Dead Space. I got through Dead Space this week. It was fantastic. What? Okay, you can talk about Dead Space. <laughs> Insane. Favorite franchise. I think if you play games, Dallas, I think you'd really like it because there's a lot of fun things to say about religion. But that's aside the point. I believe you. I just never play video games. Mm-hmm. Other than Zelda that's coming out. Might play that I one. Play Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out called Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. I'm going to play the crap out of that game. Hell, I need to get into the when Zelda does it games. Mid-May it comes out. Oh, so Tiffany can play it on the flight is what I'm hearing. That is true. See, I am bringing it on that flight and trip. I'm going to read it. That's exciting. I hope I get to the kid orgy at some inopportune It's going to be fantastic. Oh, it's going to be right when you go in through bells. TSA. <laughs> and I'll be like, <laughs> here's the book, you scoundrels. <laughs> so, and I'll be like, it's a book. We, uh, it's not like we can see what's going on. And you're just like, you know what's going on. And they're like, we don't. We don't. It's like, good. You don't want to. This is awful. <laughs> I call it the Stephen King tax. You'll read the greatest book you've ever read. And for every hundred pages that changes your life, there will be one phrase that will haunt you for the rest of your days. My Mm -hmm. personal favorite will always be 
when the dead woman stands up in the tub in The Shining and describes her breasts like old cracked punching bags. Poetry. I didn't need that. Poetry, Dallas. And I said, this man paints with his words. (laughs) It's a broad brush. So, Anne, Mm -hmm. I know it's been a while since you've read The Stand, but it's your favorite book of all time. Yes. According to you. Mm -hmm. I just finished it. Mm -hmm. I adored it. I want to talk about The Stand. Please. Who? I love it. Yeah. That was that was the main thing I was hoping for. Is like if just whenever you tell something like this is my favorite thing of all time, the last thing you want to do is for them to get through and be like, it was I, it was okay, yeah. I mean, no, I, I read better. No, I haven't read better. I do think sometimes the scope of the uncut version mm-hmm. has left me with a feeling that I don't remember everything. Yeah, which I don't love. Like I love to feel like, oh yeah, I know that book like the back of my hand. Whereas with the stand, and I think this is sort of the purpose of the uncut version, is it's such a sprawling tale that there are just portions of that book that I read and I loved, but because it was such like a day by day account of these people's lives, sometimes it has faded a little bit in my mind, but that fading just adds to the tapestry that is Mm -hmm. the stand. So even though every single strand of the stand isn't seared into my memory the full picture that it creates will stay with me for the rest of my life yeah it's and those oh oh, no you go you go it's insane because i read this book for the first time in middle school because it was one of the books that my dad gave me because he's like this is one of my favorite books of all time and if you want to read something good this is it and i was like a thousand pages this is insane but i got through it in like a couple weeks i remember but like you were saying, it's, there's so much that happens. I don't remember so much the details, just like the experience and the emotions I was feeling. And it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You get like this a post-apocalyptic stories, which typically I hate. Typically, I hate them with a passion because they're just so dark and dour and depressing. And I'm like, it's it's suffocating. I, I hate this. I hate this feeling. I don't want like I'm trying to get away from this in the real world. I don't want this in my fictional stories. The stand, I remember there being a little bit of that at the beginning, but then the rest of it just getting so invested in these characters that like what had happened to the world felt like less important to me than these characters who were still living and breathing. Where I'm like, the wor- they make it clear the world has passed on and you cling to these characters who are still doing their best to to be good, to make the right choices. And it's even when all- everything's stacked against them, just the the ability of people to still be good at the very end of days. I think that was the, the thing that stuck with me the most. And just like the sacrifice of that one group at the very end. It's just, it's, it's the type of story I really likes it. Like it gives you that feeling where it's like, there's going to be hard times ahead, but as long as you stay good, it's going to be worth it because there are people that will, whose lives will be bettered because of what you do. And even though I... characters have faded from mind and plot points have faded from mind in the years since, that like central tenement is what still hangs with me. And that's why I still love it as much as I do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty clear. Stephen King called out Lord of the Rings and Tolkien as his direct mm-hmm. reference for this book. And as a massive fan of the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I could really feel that, particularly in the end, like after the group in Vegas is defeated, the 150 pages back is a very Tolkien thing to do Mm -hmm. that 
when it on its face, it seems like the story's over. What are we still doing here? Like people love to make fun of Lord of the Rings because it has four endings. And it's just because Tolkien and you by extension genuinely want to say goodbye to all these characters. Mm -hmm. And the stand has that same feeling. I think that the part of the stand that will stay with me for the rest of my life is not like the hand of God that was so cool or Nadine escaping Randall, which was so cool Mm -hmm. Or even Harold being one of the best like Smeagol Gollum characters I've ever like turning an incel into Gollum is incredible. (laughs) But or Kojak the magic dog Mm -hmm. coming and keeping Stu alive. That was incredible. But the thing that honestly made me cry and I feel so corny, but something happened in the last year where like novels make me cry. Yeah. All the time, like among all art forms, for some reason, novels just they hit me and they make me tear up and they make me feel these deep emotions. And when Stu gives Tom Cullen Christmas while they're out in the snow drifts, I wept because like in the midst of everything that had happened after like the great darkness had like taken its toll out and like people had died, people had lost their way to realize like, oh, I'm going to do something so special for someone who will not expect it and it will mean the world too. Like it just spoke so much to me of what I want to see out of humanity. So for that moment alone, like that paid Mm -hmm. for the ticket price of 1300 pages. (laughs) And it just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I knew I was going to love the book after Fran's first chapter. Yeah. When Franny was like, shit, I'm pregnant and this boyfriend ain't shit. I was like, well, I gotta know more. Mm-hmm. Stephen King just has such a talent for giving you a character that you just want to know more about. No matter what's going on. I know Alexis kind of fizzled on 11-22-63, but I, the romance in the middle of that is my favorite romance in any medium ever period bar none and it's because of stephen king's ability to create characters that feel real and feel like people you want to spend your time with Mm -hmm. absolutely he's he's so good so he's the goat he's the goat he's the goat crazy i loved getting evan hooked felt so validating (laughs) i was like that's right Welcome to the dark side. I'm a late adopter too, but come on in. <laughs> it's the best thing just to spread, just spread the word, spread the gospel. It's great. Oh, I get why they do that now. <laughs> just, oh, it makes sense. Okay. Oh, there's a method. <laughs> <sighs> oh my gosh. We, 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 we have read and watched a lot. We be busy people. We Maybe. have. Do we and want this is all on top of our weekly comics? Yeah. Everyone. So appreciate us, people. Yeah. Literally. <clears throat> Stop bullying us on on every social time medias. I make an episode of this podcast. <laughs> I have to make a conscious effort to put down my horny fairy book. Thank you. How are we feeling about comics? This has been the everything but the comics episode. Mm-hmm. I have not read a weekly comic in like five weeks and I'm not sure why, 
basically all the comics I'm reading are for this show or Alan Moore because I'm in a big Alan Moore mood recently. But I don't know. Just like the way of my my cycle is off comics right now. Mm-hmm. Like I will come back around for sure. I know, Anne, you were kind of on an off comics yeah. moment. I'm, Are you still feeling that? I'm still kind of there. Like my personal project the last couple days or last couple weeks has been I'm trying to work my way through the that Reddit's favorite DC runs post. And I'm just I'm taking my time. I'm under no pressure to get through it it's i'm not sure if it's because i'm not feeling it or just the comics i've started with aren't my favorite it's just i'm i'm kind of like i'll read what i have to nothing's been pulling me back in the way it should though although i have to admit every time i pick up something by gail simone i i get happy again i went through her domino series in the last couple weeks and i'm like this is this is why I'm here. These are the comics that make me feel happy. It's nothing that's going to change the world. It's nothing that's going to be like, this is the best comic of all time, but it's just fun. It's just gals being pals, girls having some fun and not apologizing for it. It's such, such a good thing. It's why I love her Wonder Woman. It's why I love her Birds of Prey. It's just why I fell in love with like these universes and these characters to begin with. It's, I wish comics felt like that more often. And I feel like if I separate myself from the drama of everything that happens behind the scenes, I feel like I know too much now. I know too much about how comics get made, what happens behind the scenes, that I get too invested in that and I lose sight of the stories themselves. And it stop, It starts. It stops being fun. It starts being a product. It starts being something that's commercialized and that I have to to focus on that aspect more than I focus on actually the story on the page. And that's not fun. That's tiring. That's exhausting. It's depressing. And I just, I want to give myself the space to where I can come back in and be like, I remember why I made this Twitter account. I remember why I'm on the show. I remember why I have all of these hanging on my wall in front of me. You know, that's, that's about where I am with comics right now. Where it's like, I'm taking that soft low because I know I'm going to catch it again and be unstoppable. I, I raised my arm again. I shouldn't have done that. Oof. Um, a comic that has me very excited. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm really focusing on reading what makes me happy instead of reading what like I should be reading. Like The second it feels like homework mm-hmm. now, I'm being like, no, thank you. I still really enjoy the show. I really enjoy talking with each other. But... A book I'm very excited about, Erica Henderson and Ryan North released a graphic novel that's called Danger and Other Unforeseen Risks. And just that title alone and that creative team has me super just chortled, just chuffed in general, frankly. There's a a woman with a giant dog running away from something on the cover. And I was like, this is going to make me laugh. It's going to make me smile. And I love the team that did Squirrel Girl. So I may not be reading Spider-Man right now. I may not be participating in that holy war, but oh my God. I am having a blast with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I'm excited to read Danger and Other Unforeseen Risks. And I'm excited about what we've been reading on the show. Yeah. Like, it's a bummer we didn't get to cover the book for today because of a skeezy guy, but I'm excited for next week. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have Evan back on to talk about Avengers. I'm excited for Alexis to read Hickman's Avengers. Like, we're back into goods, baby. It's We've be- had some pretty bangers of an episodes of episodes mm-hmm. recently, if I do say so myself. 
Yeah, I've been, as far as the show goes, I've been really happy with everything we've been talking about. We've been having some of our best episodes lately, I think, talking about mm-hmm. some of the best books. So, I agree. Addie, do you have anything you want to close us out with? Oh, goodness. Nothing from me um, other than it's been really fun to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's been so fun to have you on here. Should we bang through our post credits? Uh, I mean, if we must, I guess I can open the notes app that I was supposed to have open 20 minutes ago. I've done this so many times Um, and I still don't have it memorized. (laughs) Girl, you cannot pay me to memorize this. I can't even tell you how many times I've read it. Mm, no idea. In one ear, out the other. And I literally say it every week. But if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics at and comics and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review. And if you give us a written review, we will read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we'll see y'all next week for, just like Dallas said, we're going over Hickman's Avengers. Should be fun. How many issues are we covering for next week? The oh, first yes. complete collection. Awesome. I've got them in our It's like 20 issues, but they're good. And Wicked. they roll fast. This should be fun. I'm excited. Me too. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.